way to intro the end of something. I have recorded this four times already and I don't know how to do it without being like, hi guys, or like, oh my god. And it sounds really cheesy. So we're just going to go into it as per usual. Hi guys. (laughs) See, that's what I'm talking about. Hello, welcome to the One Broke Actress podcast. This is an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. I'm your host, Sam Valentine, aka One Broke Actress, and this is our season finale. Wow, guys, this marks over 36 episodes. I think it's closer to 40 with the bonus episodes. That's kind of amazing. Um, I just have to start out by saying thank you guys for listening all season long. Um, this was a really special one for me. Uh, we got more listens than ever before and a lot more actors are getting info from it. And this community is getting bigger and bigger, but also feeling more cozy than it ever has before. So I just have to thank you guys for that because it really touches my heart in like a really non-cheesy, actually meaningful way. So Thank you, and uh, let's end on a good note, shall we? Guys, today I have a special roundtable episode. We had an all-female roundtable earlier this season, and everyone loved our conversation so much, so I got together with Anton Narzinski and Sean Crampton, who you met in season one of the podcast, and Lauren Sweetser, who actually is a friend of mine from college, and we all got together and took on a bunch of questions you guys have sent me over the last year or so, and we're going to answer them. We're going to get real, real detailed about things like actor finances, uh, having budgets, making your own project, all that good stuff about handling stress, making priorities, goals, and also about getting inspired. We're going to talk about what keeps you going, the lows and the highs, and what a definition of doing enough is in this career. And then we're going to end on some super fun stories of best and worst audition stories. (laughs) I had a blast recording this with these three, and I'm so excited for you to get some honest actor commentary on the crazy world that we all live in. And I know you guys are going to love all of these people very, very much. Um, Please excuse the audio. I had three mics working all continuously together. And until someone volunteers to be my audio engineer, I am doing this solo. Thank you in advance for your patience. And uh, without further ado, please enjoy this episode of the One Broke Actress podcast. So I am here with Anton and Sean and Lauren. Hi, guys. Hello. 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 (laughs) (laughs) I have the boys sharing a microphone, so uh, you might not be able to hear them as well, but they're going to try really hard. Yep. Um, so, uh, basically today we're just going to talk, I got you guys all together cause you're people who I feel like have been consistently active in your careers, even if you're not necessarily actively booking, I feel like you've all maintained a steady stream of work, albeit your own, something you're working on. You have systems in place to keep working. And so many actors contact me and they ask me questions about maintaining the ups and downs and like how to navigate that. And so I thought this would be a really good group to kind of take those questions. So why don't we just kind of start and talk about kind of how you came to LA. Um, and if you want to say how long you've been here, uh, feel free. So we're going to start with you, Anton. Hi, I'm Anton. I graduated with an accounting degree and started working in accounting and hated my life. And I was living in Detroit in a hotel room at a Marriott. That sounds awful. And was depressed. And then I started acting at night. 
And then I quit very quickly after and packed my car and drove west. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. How long have you been here? Seven years? Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, I'm Sean. I'm going <laughs> to touch the mic with my nose. Uh, I've been here 10 years. I graduated college when I was 21, traveled, came right to LA, didn't know anybody but my roommate, Harris. Shout out. Uh, and I've been here ever since. I have been here eight years now, which sounds so crazy to say that. Um, but I went to school with Sam in, this, in Missouri, at Missouri State. You're the first podcast guest I went to college with. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I'm so honored. Um, and I, let's see, I spent my summers of college in LA because I knew like, or I thought I wanted to act, but I was like, what does that actually mean? What does it entail? LA is kind of a big, huge city. Anyway, so I spent my summers of college, um, doing internships, like working horrible PA jobs, working (laughs) a really bad job at a shoe store, um, just to learn about it as much as I could. And then. Um, yeah, after college, I just moved up. Hold on, time out. Sorry. Yeah. Did you guys both do theater at Missouri State? We did. we did. That's how we knew each other. Wow, and came to LA together, and here you are. So, so we were cool. in different sororities, but she was the only other girl who was in the theater program who was also in a sorority. Yep. I see. What sorority were you in? I'm in Alpha Chi Omega. Okay. I was a Delta Zeta. Of course. Okay. Yeah, sure. Zeta. <laughs> I don't know what that says about us, but... Uh, but yeah, so actually when I came for my showcase, because I, I was a year behind because I started late, I stayed with you. And I was yeah. like, oh, the LA life is so cool. We went to like a bar. Remember we took a limo? <laughs> what? It was the most random. It was not it's at so all. It's so funny when you're young, taking a limo How did is the we coolest take a limo? thing. I don't know. It was something was we did like when, you in, when you lived in, I know. Did we <laughs> pay for that? When we, you had lived did in Playa just, del Rey. Like, come up on we got, did something, we took a limo to some bar, and it was, like, the weirdest night. Wow. And I was like, it this is like what it. L.A. is. <laughs> <laughs> no. Back in the day. Um, so, yeah, full circle. So, I have some of these, like, topics, and we'll just kind of uh, drum and talk at will. So, let's see. Putting these together and posted notes. Sam is pulling not... a question out of a hat and unfolding it. She folded them into tiny little pieces. Ooh, and they're sticky on the back, which is a good call. <laughs> this is like, speaking of accounting, managing your actor finances, yours or your projects. Oh, boy. Well, I can start because <laughs> what I do best, uh, I guess it's a little unfair. I, I have a master's degree in accounting, and I got my CPA before I started all this, so... I kind of had a leg up in that world. Um, I think the best thing is just uh, budgeting, I guess. But more than anything is the information. So I guess research and like I still listen to finance podcasts and I read, read finance books all the time. And they're not like boring finance textbooks. They're like... Do you have any recommendations of yeah. podcasts or books? How to Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, the Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Uh, let's see. Podcasts. I'm completely taking notes for myself. Yeah. No, they're great. <laughs> These are really good. Um, well, let me think of podcasts because I listen to like four. There's Choose FI. There's 
stacking Benjamins, which is great. And then there is James Altucher. Afford anything. Afford anything. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so those are the three big ones. There's a whole bu- There are a whole bunch of others, but those are my three that I really enjoy. I listen to them literally every single week. Um, and then, so with that, I'm really strict about my finances, which is hard on my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really important and it makes your acting life so much easier because you're not dependent on every check and every job and every commercial and every booking because it allows you to have so much freedom in between the jobs and no matter how successful you are or your current run is inevitably there will come a time where you will have a long period of no work and what do you do for your day jobs so i mean i act and then i do a bunch of acting side things i call like random modeling jobs I did a hand modeling job two weeks ago. Really? Look at my hands. Nice. Look at these things. Hand Your CrossFit job. hands got a yeah. hand modeling job. Twice. I'm very impressed. Twice. Um, How does one book a hand modeling job? <laughs> I don't know. Honestly. Someone just saw you and they were like, No. Oh. Well, there are two different. <laughs> one, I got one. I did one for Samsung a while ago. And I don't remember who got me that. Some manager somewhere. And then the other day... I was just sitting at home and I got a call or text from like an agent that I hadn't seen since six years ago or heard from, but they're called Body Parts Management. What a name. And they do body parts. That's what they represent. Wow. And somehow I signed up with them when I first got here because I just ran around everywhere and signed up with everyone and did as much as I could. And my name was in their database and they just like something fell through and they needed somebody last minute. Like, hey, can you, we need a hand model model double for John Cena. Maybe I shouldn't say this on air, but whatever. Yeah. They were all strict about the name. Um, and I was like, sure. And it paid, you know, a silly amount, <laughs> you know, and I did nothing. That's awesome. It though. was awesome. Yeah. That's great. And it was sad job. So, you know. What did you have to do with your hands? At this one, I just, I did a grocery scan. That's it. For a half hour. A half a hour. Yeah. <laughs> but I was there for 10 hours. You're like, so I got overtime. I'm at work right now. I got. No. It all went to SAG Health. SAG, SAG oh my gosh. So, yeah, that's like, awesome. It, it makes you wonder like why John Cena couldn't stay well, for that 30 it's, minutes. It's, it actually, a lot of people ask me that. It's because, so they're hired uh, for about five hours usually or four hours, big celebrities. Mm-hmm. And that's because their rate is insane. Mm-hmm. And like everybody else, they're on an hourly, their day is broken down by the hour, right? So whatever you're at, um, if you go over the hours that you were supposed to be there, they just divide it by whatever. And then they, or multiply by 1.5 to give you your overtime rate. And his overtime rate is so ridiculous. And he's only there for four or five hours. So, so it's why worth he, it. Of course. Wow. To take the close-ups or the back of his head or anything like that is not him. You know, they're just going to use the time they have for him to show his face, his words, and the things he does. Will you please let us know when it's coming out so I can watch it and be like, that's his hand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What a gig. Okay, cool. Can I ask you a kind of like personal question in that financial thing? You can skip if you want. No. Yeah. So you're going to have a baby soon. Yeah. 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 How does that, there's there's a lot of actors who are nervous to like have families and have real life things happen because of the crazy business side of it 
how do you feel about that? Because there's so it's freezing Canelli so financially crazy. How do you feel about that? I feel good. Look, this. I mean, this is this could be such a long answer, and I don't want to hijack this entire podcast. But for the longest time, just like you, I was like, you know, I'm going to focus my career first, and eventually, when I'm at this successful stage, which is so arbitrary and nobody has any clear definition of what that is, I'm going to have a family. And I was doing that and doing that, and sure, the career was growing at some sort of pace, whatever that may be. But then you're like, you know, I'm 33, and I'm like, I've always really, really, really wanted to have kids and a family. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I don't, like, what, what is this place? What, am I going to be a series regular, or right. am I going to be on a certain TV show or movie? I, I don't know what that place is. So I'm like, if I really want this in my life, I'm just going to do it. And then my career certainly doesn't have to stop. It's not even going to slow down. Nothing will change. I'm still going to be in acting class. I'm going to go to the same auditions. I'm going to be just as diligent about the pursuit of my craft. If not more. If I think so more too. <laughs> I think so more too. But whatever, I'm not there yet. So my girlfriend's pregnant. But So I'm not there yet. But I, I don't know. Uh, financially, yeah, it'll be a little tough. But again, I've been so good about my finances that I'm great with the market. I'm good with saving. So Roth IRAs, retirements, and all those things, and knowing how to budget. So, so you're in a good place I'm for in that. a pretty good place, yeah. His girlfriend, by the way, is Maddie Curley. She was a guest on that's season right. one of that's the right. podcast. So you guys yeah. can go back and listen to her. Yeah, that's really cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. All right, Sean. Not having a baby, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Baby. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um. Same question or different mm-hmm. question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, personally, my finances are in disarray. <laughs> uh, not like so out of control, but I definitely didn't have the upbringing or discipline like Anton, which I do think Anton's on the rarer side of the spectrum. Uh, and I think it's amazing. And he's been, he's rubbed off on me. And at least like the acknowledgement of like, you don't have to be all in or swinging home runs every day. Like, you know, basically putting it off down the line. Like he's even talking about his child. You could think about your finances that way. Because when I was in my 20s, I'm 32 now, I'd be like, whatever, I'll go into a little debt just to pay for this class or this or that because one guest star will evaporate this. Well, it doesn't quite work out that way. And my personal debt literally would be wiped out by one guest star. So it's, again, not like crazy, but there is that hanging thing over your head where it's just like a little bit of uneasiness. Uh, What I am proficient at is budgeting other people's money, and I've done that. And for a feature film, I did it in 2012, right on the money. We never went over a dollar, and we never went over um, schedule, not once, and I'm really proud of that. And now I'm managing a six-figure budget for our next feature film. And I, I absolutely am not concerned about going over budget. Maybe concerned about making the money back, which is a new adventure. But Are there any tips you have for people who are making their own things with budgetary constraints like that? <clears throat> uh, start small. And I don't mean like, uh, like weak. You know, I don't know if that's the right word. And just mean, like, don't bite off so much that you can't chew it and then you're discouraged. Like, work with what you got. 
one of the sketches people really enjoy that I did was a year and a half ago. We did it with no sound equipment, even though I've done many, many, many sketches and short films and features with high production value. I just had my camera at home and I filmed myself and my roommate on a tripod. I think we used his desk as the other over the shoulder tripod. <laughs> like, and that sketch is highly popular. People always talk to me about it, even though the sound's not great. I'm a amateur editor, so there's no color. You know, there's things, but whatever, it's a starting point. And then you grow from there. You kind of learn what you can work with and get away with and progress and you make connections and blah, blah, blah. Cool. Cool. Um, for me, on a personal note, I think you just have to figure out how to put away your money. Like when you do get a big paycheck, you have to go, okay, how much of this is going to savings? What am I going to, you know, I like, I like to have goals and like different things that I want to, you know, like, okay, this is going to the vacation fund, but I'm only going to do like, you know, maybe 2% of my money of going there or, you know, but I wasn't always great at budgeting. (laughs) Um, and I think when, especially when you're beginning, you have to have a job that allows you to go to auditions and meetings during the day, but then make your money at night. I'm in a time right now where I'm lucky I'm a working artist and that's amazing but you know like you said that's you know yeah it'll come and go yeah it'll come and go so you can't you know like spend all your money or like you know for sure go on that vacation when you're like oh wait I need to think about rent for the next exactly and you can it's just a proper way of managing your time and money and budgeting so they have a concept of, uh, uh, God, what is it called? Uh, if you guys want to hear a funny story, well, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I booked a big um, Dodge commercial when I, in 2013 or 14. It was worldwide, played in the Middle East, all of Latin America, all of North America. Big Dodge customers over there in the Middle East? Yeah. I shot three different cars. It was crazy. Millions of dollars. And I quit my day jobs. Thinking, I was like, man, I'm gonna make oh, no. 60, <laughs> 60 grand on this. Uh, I still got paid, but it wasn't nearly what I thought it would be. And six months later, I was like, fuck. <laughs> so it was just a good lesson. And even though I've booked a lot more work since, I've never quit my day job because I feel like, oh, it's just extra. I can, I've been able to manage so far. You know, I wanted to get to the point where I'm working so much and acting. I can't. Do, I think that's the only time. You should probably quit your day jobs when you're working so much you can't even keep up with them. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I was trying to think of was it's called an emergency fund. And that's very mm-hmm. the, the common mm-hmm. term in personal finance world. Mm-hmm. And generally they say to have like a three to six month uh, emergency fund. But that they're always talking for people who are working regular jobs. So for us, I just like for me personally, I have tend to have nine to 12 months of an emergency fund where if I don't work for nine months, I'm going to be okay. I, maybe I'll cut a few things out, but I'll make it. You know, I'm not going to start. Like nine months of food and rent. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, you can still go on those trips and you can do all of that, but as long as you have that emergency fund built up and then once you have that established, then it's a, there's a lot more freedom and flexibility and especially like ease of comfort and knowledge that you can do whatever Mm -hmm. I think one thing that's important too that I always try to do is like when you do book a job I call it 
I call it a happy, like I'm a, I give myself a happy, like whatever <laughs> that may be. And it's, I try to keep it like a hundred dollars or under. So if it's like a hat that I wanted, or if I'm like, I'm going to buy a steak for myself tonight mm-hmm. and go out and eat. So by the way, hat and a steak, she's from Arkansas. Right. Yes. Yep. There it's coming out, but no, cause it just like, you have to celebrate it too. So mm-hmm. I try not to, you know, but like I said, under a hundred bucks or something. So it's, yeah. you're like congratulating yourself and then, you know, enjoying having books, but also, you know, you're not spending it all. It's not um, excessive. Yeah. How, so you, wait, you just wrapped, uh, well, I guess it was a little while ago that you finished the riot act. Yeah. Well, I was going to talk a little bit about budgeting yeah. for that because that's completely different. You know, handling a budget for a feature was, you know, it was the first time I'd done something like that, but, um, same though. We came in under, we didn't, ever go over. I think we went over, we budgeted for like, I think, I can't remember if it was like 20 hours of overtime. I think we went, I think we had an hour of overtime for the entire 22 day shoot. So we were really happy about that. But the way that we were able to make our movie was by going through that budget and trimming it down to like the leanest thing you could do. And then after that, go back through and like, let's cut it down another 10% if we can. When but you we, make cuts like that, what goes? Things that aren't important or things that we could get for free or dirt cheap mm-hmm. because of our resources. So for us, we were able to do it because of our resources and because of just free and, you know, free labor or free... Taking the It favors. might be <laughs> a, like a, we needed a chair in this one scene. Like we got it for free. We needed... So, you know, you're, you can go back through and cut, but... You have to, you have to cut in the right areas, you know, like, so we didn't, we had two cameras at one point and we completely cut out an entire second camera team last minute, which sent us into a little bit of a freak out, (laughs) but we figured out how we could do it timing wise to where we didn't need that whole second unit. So, um, but I think it just, Sometimes you have to cut where you don't want to, you know, and things that I don't like to cut on are like food or, you know, stuff like that because I want to keep like people are there working all day. And I think the worst thing ever is to work, you know, your butt off all day and then have like crappy food, you know, because mm-hmm. that's where people like get to sit down and have a break and talk to each other. And like you want to keep the morale up. We've been all been on the sets when it's like it's lunch and it's a Domino's pizza. Yeah, or like it's a like cold one wrap or something. People. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. you need a hot meal. But sometimes you just if you don't have the budget for it, you have to figure out how to make it work. But mm-hmm. those things, I feel like the cuts and that you have to do, you you're just put in the position where you have to figure out where how to make it work and what's the most important thing. Mm, priorities. Yes. Okay. Next question. Next question. Here we go. Oh, great. Handling stress. I'll go first on this one Um, because it's been something I've been working on a lot. Uh, Since I started the whole One Broke Actress thing, I thought that I'd do everything all at once and I have to be the best in the career and I also have to write a lot and I also have to record a lot and I have to do everything 100%. Um, and it took me a long time to realize that my priorities were so skewed that I wasn't even working on acting at points. Like I would go a month without putting the effort in. My focus was on so many different things. It wasn't on anything. And so 
for me, figuring out what the priority was uh, and overall it is acting and just reframing that. I mean, in the past six months, I've gotten back into class. I have a career coach. I just signed with a new manager. Like it's like where you point your energy that your yourself goes and having that energy pointed in a direction brought my stress down so much. And then other stuff happens to get done because I don't feel pressured to do it as much, if that makes sense. Um, I started meditating. It's really good. Use Headspace app. <laughs> I use Headspace like, for a while. It's great. Okay. Just have like that check-in time and have it like something I can do on my phone. It just feels more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's been a lot of it for me. And also going to the last question, having my finances in check brought my stress level down oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. much. Always. And it made me feel a lot better in the past couple months. I got a new job. I got rid of one that wasn't making enough money and got one that was less hours for more money. Um, and that just, I just feel much more grounded because I'm not thinking about dollars and cents all the time. And I can take this acting class, but I don't need to buy, you know, X, Y, Z this week. And it's just bringing it full circle. But anybody want to take that one? Um, what was the original question? Stress. 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 Um, I... I like to work out, like, but mm-hmm. I'm not like a crazy workout all the time person. But I try to work out every other day. I feel like that really helps my stress levels, mm-hmm. and it's just. What do you do? I just go to the gym, and like, d- just depends on the day. Like, I might do weights. I'll definitely try to do like at least thirty or forty-five minutes of cardio, mm-hmm. just to sweat. Maybe weights if I don't feel like doing that. I'll like do a machine, or I don't really. As far as working out goes, I just go every other day. That's just all I have to do. And that might be going on like a two-hour walk with my dog or, Mm -hmm. you know, it just kind of depends on like what I feel like. If I were to be like, I'm going to do this scheduled regimented thing, like I just wouldn't. It's not your vibe. Yeah, it's not my vibe. But I think also planning out goals and just slowly chipping away at those things every day like do three to five things for the three main goals you want you're gonna get there eventually it feels like sometimes during the days I don't know I think to myself I'm like am I doing enough I don't know because maybe I could be doing more but Mm -hmm. I think that if you have a goal and you kind of branch out how to get there and you just slowly chip away at it that you'll get there eventually do you make like lists of goals do you have like a like yeah I like to have it I don't have a whiteboard, but I try to like kind of make one Mm -hmm. to just sort of, I need to see it on paper in order to actually get it done and see what I need to do in order to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think self-care also, and that sounds so silly, but when I was, like when I first moved out here in my, yeah, when I first moved out here in my early 20s, self, I I was like, self-care, what's that? You know, like, (laughs) but Sometimes, you know, you need to go to the chiropractor and get adjusted or like just small things that you're, I always overlooked because I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'll, I don't need that. Or like, that's a waste of money. But when you do those things, I feel like that helps me feel better. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 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 Sean, I definitely don't handle it well all the time, but I, <laughs> it's a truth, the table. <laughs> you know, um, I would love to sit here and say that stress doesn't lead to like a depressive state for me. Cause sometimes it does. Um, but what has helped in the past is redefining stress Yeah, because we're humans and stress 
is healthy actually in doses. Um, we're actually 10,000 years old as a race, and this is the first time we've been so luxurious that species. we're not, yeah, species, excuse me, that we're not uh, out in danger all the time, <laughs> right? In the last 150 years, we've kind of become luxurious in safety. And so now we're waging mental warfare on ourselves instead of working in a field or whatever for 12 hours a day when you can't think about anything else except the present moment. There's no stress. There's no real stress right. because all there was was survival. So it's this yeah. weird flip where all we, we're surviving easily. Statistically, we're all going to live to be really old, statistically. So it's just this weird thing we're kind of getting used to, and I don't think anybody really has a handle on it all the time because it's new to us as humans. But working out for sure, because like I said, being physical is just in our nature. That's what we're made to do. It's not sit around all day. Um, are, you so still doing, are you doing CrossFit? I have been doing just more hiking, rowing, biking, and hitting a CrossFit wad maybe once or twice a week. Because mm -hmm. I just took a genetic test that told me I put on weight, muscle weight, so quickly that cardio is actually better for my physique. Interesting. Yeah. So, what's this test? It was at uh, Next Health on Sunset. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they, it's like they give you a book that's dedicated to you. The Mediterranean diet's been for me, which I kind of knew, but it was nice to hear. Again, I don't know how legitimate it is. I could show you guys well, you yep. later. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of a, maybe a weird answer, but I don't really have a handle on it all the time. Sometimes it's so overwhelming I do nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you feel like shit for doing nothing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's weird compounding, but you had a great I, morning routine too. You shared on your first episode in season one too. Yeah, do you um, still kind of do that? You know, since I started dating my girlfriend, I got and this is not her fault. It's my own insecurity. No, we messed those things up. It's her fault. <laughs> it's my own insecurity <laughs> of not wanting to like meditate in front of her or something. Yeah, you know, it's so. weird, right? Maddie knows I meditate, and I it's so weird for me to do it around her. I don't know why it is because you're vulnerable yeah right? mm -hmm. but i you're but you're not really because like i tell everyone i'm yeah. telling you i would know, just be like, you looking at me what are they thinking do it right yeah. now no you know, yeah so, people are out right so you know and that's my own shit that's um and i'm trying to get back into it uh and what sam's referring to is i used to meditate for 10 minutes i did headspace for a minute but I found it was more challenging and more rewarding for me to do it with nothing and just set a timer because it was I had nothing to like grab onto mentally. Um, but headspace definitely helped me get to a uh, a starting routine. And then the most beneficial thing was my journal where I would write whatever I wanted. But if I couldn't think of anything, I'd write ten things I'm grateful for, even if it was my fingers and toes. Which mm. I should be especially grateful for, um, but it Anton seems like Anton should be especially grateful <laughs> <laughs> for his hand model. Uh, so that helped me. That's cool. Yeah, gratitude is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say I thought of one more thing: not stressing over things that you don't have control over, which is most things. Yeah. So it's like if you don't have control over it, it stressing. You're not stressing is not going to help the situation if you don't have control over it. So just don't stress about it. I mean, that's 
Easier said than done. Yeah, but very, very it's kind of nice so. to notate, like in your brain or on paper or something, the things that you do have control over. Right, and work on those. Yes, and then let try to let go of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I agree kind of with what everyone else has said, but I mean, stress is so universal, and it spans what we do. It spans beyond any industry. So it's like. I, I, how to manage stress it's like let's pinpoint what stress is you know every millionaire and billionaire feels stress just as much as all of us do it's all the same so it's whatever your outlet is or whatever you need to focus on to relax your mind I meditate 20 minutes a day every morning and I have for several years now I work out every day um, it helps me a lot I read a ton so if I start getting depressed I'll read about depression self-help books sound lame but a lot of them help a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> um, self-help books and, biographies. and there are a lot on the psychology of happiness and stress that are also helpful so things like that mm-hmm. what uh do you meditate in silence do you use an app do you I go through cycles currently mm-hmm. it's just in uh in silence there's a really good one called oak meditation uh that's created by Kevin Rose, but it's only on the iPhone, and I have a Android. Mm. All right, well, you can no longer be on this podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I'm that yeah. That's great. Okay, cool. All right. This is great. I had uh, a women's roundtable, and we got through, like, three questions, so we are just blowing through here, guys. Oh, we're going to get a little soft for a second and talk about how you get inspired, guys. This, is, this, this can be a many-layered question. I know that... It can be mean different things to different people. To me, I think it means how you get inspired to do this job every day, be it like creating your own work or going to do the work to read someone else's words or to show up and have your picture taken. Like, where also, what is it about this career that gets you excited? Um, I think that can be another way to say inspired, because mm-hmm. sometimes inspired sounds a little too deep. Because I struggle with that sometimes. I think. When you're on a high, it's really easy to wake up and be excited because you get to go do what you're doing. I think the hard periods are when you're in between something and it's like, you know, I would like to wake up and sit in my bed and have pancakes because fuck us, I'm not going to be on camera anytime soon. Yeah. But I think, it's, you know, that whole thing too. Uh, so what keeps you going, I guess? Uh, for me, it's uh, it's always been, I love movies. I do not care for the theater. I know that's blasphemy. I'd never have. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, occasionally I do. Occasionally I like it. Uh, but mostly I do not. Um, and what I mean by that is the film has always, always been, it was like my escape as a child when my parents went around, which was a lot. So it was like my safety net. And now what inspires me is incredible performances especially by people i don't know you know i just watched the show atypical on netflix i've heard it's so good it's that show made me want to do that for somebody else and that's what gets me going um and that's really it like the museums and all that kind of i don't want to say typical inspirational artistry stuff isn't and that's not a knock they just don't do it for me in that way they inspire my life like i feel better 
But what inspires my acting is other actors acting to the top of their ability. And I want to do that for other people. I want to inspire people to pursue their artistry. Are there any movies that are like your go-tos for that kind of stuff? <laughs> for like top performances? Mm -hmm. Walk the Line is, uh, you know, Reese Witherspoon and John, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. It's, it's outstanding. Uh, came quick, man. I like that movie. Yeah. I've seen it maybe three dozen times. I watch, <laughs> I'm like a huge cinephile. Anything with Jenna Rollins, um, who I think is the best screen actor of She's all time. Uh, Robert Duvall has never missed a beat. Anything with him. Like anything with them. And that's, you know, it's kind of like saying about a musician, I can listen to their whole album without skipping a song. That's how I feel about their movies. Uh, there's so many movies. Uh, the Prestige with Christopher Nolan. I had to watch that three times to actually understand how smart that movie is. Um, you really, like, you can, if you watch that enough, you can figure out which brother or twin Christian Bale is in each scene and who he's actually in love with with each scene. And the layers of that movie are so incredible. You know, that's the stuff that I kind of get off on. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. I, I don't... I mean, I'm not going to top that. <laughs> I didn't see Prestige three times. I don't know. I don't... Three dozen. Three dozen? Um, yeah, seeing really awesome performances is, is inspirational, but I think the inspiration comes before all that. Like, I love, I love what I do, and if I didn't, then I guess I wouldn't get inspired. I, and to me, since I'm just, I'm a, always a numbers guy, like, if there are 12 auditions in a row that go poorly I'm just always like well that means the next one will go great because numbers say <laughs> it will eventually so I, I don't know yeah numbers inspire me oh and I'll add really quickly that when my friends book work it inspires me mm, like yeah I for, luckily I've never been jealous of my friends because I'd be dead because I have so many talented friends <laughs> but it really I love I love hearing especially if I've helped them with an audition because then I feel like I'm a part of their journey. But I really, uh, that really gets me going too. Yeah, I totally agree. I also think that's a cool place to be in where you can be that excited that it inspires you for someone else. Because there's a line there. People get a little iffy on eh, other people's successes. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> as far as inspiration goes, I think I'd say like at the root of who I am as an artist, it's all about collaborating. I love collaborating with different, and a lot of different types of artists too. I started, I guess, my showbiz career as a dancer and I love choreographing and working with other people and, and telling stories in that way. I play guitar and I write songs too. Like that's another way to create and collaborate with other people and when we were building our team for the riot act and like picking our department heads. It was so fun to meet with people and then collaborate on like what they thought they should do and how, how would you make this and what would you do? And I think it's so cool to see it, especially like on a film set, you have so many different types of jobs and so many people that are so good at those jobs, you know, mm -hmm. and coming together and all collaborating together and everybody doing their job and then making something together that's, I think that's the coolest thing ever. So I just, I like creating. Did you, so. did you feel that way when you were casting actors too? 
I think that's wow, such an interesting that was such process. a crazy process because it like everything clicked in that moment. You're like, oh, I've heard this, and people always say like, be on the other side of the table, you'll understand it so much more. But yeah, I mean, we saw so many. The worst part was that you're seeing so many talented people, and I mean, did there you audition are still here? people who's did no. you audition people here or in Arkansas? Well, we did mostly tape because we were okay. in pre-production in Arkansas, but um, Liz Barnes was our casting director, and she had people on tape out here, but, so, that was weird, too, to completely cast off of tape, but you know within five seconds on these tapes whether someone's right for it or not. Really? And if, and some of them, you just, you don't have time, you know, like, you want to say, like, well, that was good, I'd love to see him do it again, but he's not right for it or he's not the look or he's too tall or he's too short or, you know, Mm -hmm. all those things that are so annoying to you when you're going in and you hear those things. But then when you see it on the other side and you realize time is money, we don't, we got to cast this. Yeah. Um, This is a little off topic because I know you guys have recently, because you guys cast stuff for like, what did you learn from that process about self tapes or about auditioning or have good lighting and good sound? That's it. Like, just, that's it. That's all. Just keep it simple. I, I just am always like, just keep it simple. It doesn't need to be crazy. Um, but good lighting and good sound is so important. And yeah, I, there's so many things that I learned about that, that process, but as, just as far as technically goes, if you can't see them or hear them very well, you're moving on. You're not even going to look at it Ugh. just because you don't have time. Don't have time. At our stage, and for movies and stuff like that, it's better to be in the room. That's something that I learned from self-tapes through this casting. And be off book. I know that sounds silly, but we had all these seasoned actors. Like, I'm talking 30, 40 years because we have a part that's uh, he's 70 years old. People were not off book. And uh. It's so obvious because <laughs> they're looking down. Or they didn't do it in a creative way mm-hmm. where it looks like they're looking at something else. And I couldn't believe that. And then one actor who has a ton of credits, blah, 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 doesn't matter, because they complained in the email about how long they were in the room working on the audition. And it was only 90 minutes of work when they were complaining. And I was just like, I didn't even have to watch the tape to know it was a pass for me, but I still did, and it was a pass, thank God. But it was just like so interesting to learn these things. Why well, would, it's like, why would you want to work with that person? You why know? would you like, submit the tape? <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Gratitude. But the tape is cool. If you guys want to see the best self-tape of all time, and I'm not exaggerating, Shia LaBeouf puts the whole play Orphans, and he films it from the camera on his Mac. And, you know, think what you want about Shia LaBeouf personally. I think he's the best actor of my age group. And he does that whole play in front of you, sitting down, and it is an hour and a half audition, and it is so good, so technically sound. It's amazing. It's truly amazing. It's, and there's not a lot to it. There's not a lot. Did he just do it for fun, or was he actually No, he was casting the lead, and then I think they took it off YouTube, the audition once. He was firing, fired for clashing with Alec Baldwin, mm. which from what I understand behind the scenes, that was on Alec, not really Shia, because Shia was upset with him for not showing up and being ready to work. Because my friend just 
our friend, just dealt with Alec Baldwin and said he was horrendous to deal with. Is that right? Yeah. He's got a good podcast. He does. (laughs) (laughs) But he's prepared when he comes to his podcast. Okay. All right. So now we're inspired. Covering lots of ground. Where's my narration? Oh, yeah. There's another... A uh, piece of paper being opened. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we hit on this already, actually, a little bit, but struggling with the idea of doing enough, uh, especially because our jobs are so inconsistent, and we can always be doing something, but also having a real life is such a challenge sometimes. Um, this is something I struggle with often, because I always wonder if I'm doing enough work. Uh, the second I have downtime, should I be putting something on tape? Should I be reading a script? Um, are there things that you try to check off a box every day? Um, is there something to you that is enough or are you still figuring it out like me? That's a hard question Mm -hmm. because there's no answer and there's no such thing as enough. And there's, which is funny because I think of all three of you as shining examples of people who are just nonstop doing so much. Yeah. Like I think we all like to, but, but it all comes down to do like we, I don't think any of us would sit there and say we all work you know for twelve hours a day we enjoy what we do, and so it just seems like part of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you got to find the things that you're enjoying and then grind through some of some of the unhappy parts. But for the most part, like there's a million acting classes, and if you find yourself dreading it or finding excuses to not go. Find a different one mm-hmm. right away, and it's okay to be in a different class. It's okay to quit a class. People get so obsessed with, like, their one teacher or their one class that they're in, and they can't go to another one where it's like, I've been to 15 different classes, and it's okay, and it's probably, well, I think it's better because you're learning different techniques, you're mm-hmm. learning from different people, you're meeting different actors. Obviously, there's benefits of staying in one class, too, and if that's what you're enjoying, great. But I, I guess the bottom line is, Find what's driving you and what you're enjoying doing, and then the rest is going to be easy. Did you see the show Barry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, my God. Not all of them, but yeah. Oh, what a shining example of a, yeah. a hilarious acting class. That right. reminds me of all those it's stereotypes. It's so too. Yeah. When he comes in and they all clap for the teacher. Oh, it's just... Yeah. You guys got to watch it. I was in a class like that one time, and it was sure. so weird. They worshipped worship this woman. acting teacher. Like, yes. she would come out, and they'd be like, oh! Like, and you're going, what is happening? This is... And sh- it was so fear-based. Everything's fear-based. I've been and in a class I'm like going, that for so long. I'm two years. I spent two years in a class like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's like, no. Yeah. Uh, but... If like, that works for you. one class that... It was a good foundation, but I was there for too long, and... I found way too many people it just ruining their careers and acting lives. And spending but money. But then some people it worked for. And a lot of And a lot of money. And time. Yeah. And just miserable. Mm-hmm. I never feel like I'm doing enough. <laughs> Ever. In fact, I've had to have close friends tell me recently, they're like, dude, the last thing I would describe you as someone who doesn't work hard. But, you know, you're your own worst enemy and you have your own self-perception. But I I totally agree with Anton saying you got to, you know, what you're saying, you find your own way, do you you essentially. Yeah, find what you enjoy. It's not like, because you sit around and you're like, well, what should I do more of? And you're like, well, I have to just, I have to read plays and I'm going to go 
to Sam French, and I'm just going to get plays and one one play a day for the next 30 days, and then you know two weeks in, you're hating it and you're treading yeah. it, and then you never want to pick up a play again. Obviously, that, that doesn't work for you then. Yeah. And some people it might work for. Some people will read five a day and they love it, and that's great. Yeah. I mean, like seven years ago, I had a resolution where I was going to do 365 movies, 12 plays, uh, something else insane. And I burn out after like a month or whatever. <laughs> and I was just like, this, you know, hard work isn't necessarily smart work. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, uh, oh, God, that's a good quote. And so that's what I would say. About it that. sucks, though, because it is such a thin line. And I guess that's what we're scared of is not to fall into the other side. Is yeah, we don't want to be lazy. We don't want to not work. We don't want to just sit there and wait for opportunities to come to us either. So somehow you have to balance that. And that's why I think you have to give a lot of different things a shot. So you have to try different classes and you have to try, if you want, try this reading of play and watching 365 movies because that might work for you and you might love that. But trying things all the time and trying new things and so things stick and you enjoy them. And also... I mean, I know it's going to sound weird, but there's this guy in CrossFit. They call him the professor. His name is Brent Fikowski. And he just posted this on his Instagram like three days ago, and I thought it was so good for acting. Because Brent's 6'4". So so he doesn't have the typical or successful body of a CrossFit athlete, but he's finished second in the world or third in the world or fourth in the world in the last three years, which is incredible. Wow. And he didn't didn't start that way. And he was asked by a guy who was a national weightlifter, like, how did you do that? How did you keep going? And Brent, and this is the video from his podcast, he goes, I accepted and I fully and honestly accepted that I could train just as hard as I did last year and never make it. And I just had to enjoy what I was doing on the day to day. And not worry about the success. And he's like, of course you want to be number one. But there's only one number one. So I might not be that guy. And if you ever watch his interviews after a workout, he's so honestly analytical. That's why they call him the professor. He's so smart about his own self. He's like, yeah, that was better than I did in practice. But I didn't win. You know, it's not like, he's like, of course I wish I could have won. But that was the best I was ever going to do in that. And, uh. I love that because it's really scary for me personally to like come to terms with, hey, you might never make it to the level you thought. Statistically, it's really uh, improbable. But can you enjoy the day-to-day grind? I don't know. You know, it's interesting. We work like 99% of our lives to do the thing we love for 1% of it. Mm. <laughs> uh. I, I don't know. I, I think I struggled a lot more with like, am I doing enough? when I first came out or, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're just trying to learn everything you can to meet with everybody and you're going to a million coffees and like, but I, I just try to, like I said, set goals and figure out how am I going to get there and every day just chip away at it. Like I feel like consistency is just the best thing, but also I need days where I don't do shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I need those days where I'm going, okay, I, I'm going to have a day off here cause even though our careers are like inconsistent and can be, yeah, I think that's you know, where it gets crazy. Is like you're like, do I do I take a day off? Because some days it feels like I have a lot of days off, right? And but if you were a <laughs> nine to fiver, you would have off on Saturday and Sunday, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so and just 
don't do stuff that doesn't make you happy. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. I so much of my 20s was just doing things because I thought, oh, well, I, this is what I'm supposed to do, and that could be a class or, I mean, anything. Think about it. It's just, if you're not happy and it's making you miserable, don't do it. Like, just do what makes you happy. Of course, you've got a long list of things you don't want to do in a day, but... In general, you know, I think you should do what makes you happy and be nice to yourself. Did you struggle with this at all? When you came to L.A., you had just done Winter's Bone. Mm -hmm. And so you were in this, you know, big talked about movie. Did it feel like you were supposed to, like, take a lot of meetings or, like, do – was there pressure on that? Did you feel like you were doing enough? You know, it was, looking back, it was such, it was so strange because that just like took off almost out of nowhere. And, you know, I was just so green. I kind of, in a way, I had an attitude where I was like, oh, well, this is going to be a breeze. And (laughs) I booked my first ever television audition. What? Like, so I... I, it did a it disservice like to me in a way, yeah. but it was also a blessing in disguise because now, you know, there's been so, I've had a, some great successes and I've had some really big failures <laughs> and it, I'm glad that I like didn't, I, I look back at my journey and I, I'm happy for what it is. Cool. Um, but yeah, it was just, I don't really, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, you know? Yeah, and looking I think that's back where now, I'm stress like, comes from I should sometimes. have hired a publicist. I should have done this. You know, right. all of these things that you just don't know. Well, and a lot the of time. the people in that film with you—that was one of their first big movies. So, like, I know a lot of actors now who who book something big, and the people with them are seasoned veterans, and they're like, "Hey, honey, you need to get a publicist. Like, you need right. to." And you were just You're almost just like, flying blind. Like, yeah. Kind of, and I just didn't, I didn't have good management at the time. I mean, you know, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think it works out how it's supposed to. Yeah. And you have just to taking my career into my own hands and creating my own work has really been great for me. And it, there's just no excuse nowadays. Like, if you want to be an actor, get your iPhone out and do a scene and tape it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just... When I hear, if I ever hear people complain about, you know, not getting work or not doing this, I'm like, just make your own thing. It's, you can cast yourself and write your own part and do, there's really no limits now. Cool. Okay, we're almost done. I'm going to just skip to my favorite question. I'm going to put the hat aside. Just for fun to end on a fun note, best or worst audition stories? (laughs) Oh, man. I've got one right away. Great. You can take us. So I did a workshop like seven years ago, six years ago, eight, a long time ago. <laughs> Haven't seen this casting director since. Uh, <laughs> but basically, um, I think because of wrestling, um, I'm very comfortable in the room and they're very comfortable with the spotlight on me. So this was like a huge casting director. Uh, he cast Friends, Cheers, Modern Family. Uh, and he had a reputation for being cutthroat at these auditions. So I was like, okay, this guy does comedy. I'm going to bring in a drama. I went in, whatever, I knocked it out of the park in my honest assessment. And I know that because he looked at me and said, hey, are you SAG? And I said, yep, lied. Because I paid for SAG. (laughs) I was SAG eligible and I just paid the next day just in case. He called me in. And what I didn't realize, and this is a great lesson, is that I looked very specific 
because I dressed for the role I was auditioning for. Or, you know, it's a workshop, so I brought in my own piece. And I was basically like flanneled up, I had my beard, slick back hair, I looked like I belonged on Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> the thing he auditioned me for was a part of like a badass. But I, for whatever reason, shaved put my hair in a spiky gel, and wore a pink polo. No, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> and Was the collar popped? No, the collar wasn't popped. Okay, all right, all right. It was for a comedy, and I was watching the comedy, and I was like, oh, this is kind of like, you know, I was like, oh, I kind of just went into my own, got in my own way instead of, like, thinking. And I would have never known this lesson until I did this, but I was like, oh, he wasn't looking at my acting. He was looking at me as well. <laughs> and so when I got to the audition on the lot, everybody in the hallway was a savage looking barbarian. Like one guy literally had a full face tattoo, all black. Oh. And I was wearing a pink polo with a baby face shave at the age of 23. And uh, I went in there and he didn't even recognize me. And it threw me so hard. I auditioned very poorly and it was a simple like, the thing I originally auditioned for him was, like, a huge speech. <laughs> and this is, like, a few lines of the scene. And I blundered it with the writer, producer, everybody in the room, and him. And he, like, looked at them like, I'm sorry. I could just read it on him. They let me do it again. It was worse. I couldn't let go of the way I was doing it. And I uh, walked out and never saw him again. Never, you've never been in for him again? Nope. That pisses me off. <laughs> that makes me mad. Oh man! But, uh, you know, it makes really me good. laugh now. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's funny now. Yeah. Perspective is everything. Yeah, I remember if I can really quick. Yeah. I did a same year. I did another audition for another casting director, and he kept me after and was like, "Hey man, I'm so sorry, but I just cast Friday the Thirteenth. But you would be perfect for that movie. You were so good." He's like, "I just want to let you know, you should stick it out in the business. Like really, because it was like really fresh on for me." It's great. <laughs> <laughs> About four years ago, I get called in to audition for him. It's like a two, it's for The Purge. He, he cast The Purge. And it's a literal two page speech, no breaks on final draft. So if you can imagine what that looks like, it's a lot. And the outfit is a pig's nose, a blonde wig, and a bikini top because I'm a psychopath killer knocking on Ethan Hawk's door. What I didn't get was the adjustment that they changed it to a full-blooded suit with, like, slick hair. So I'm <laughs> meaning the costume I was supposed to show up in. It, like, you missed, like, a memo. Yeah, but my manager did. Oops. So I showed up with the outfit, and I'm, like, looking around, and I'm like, man, they're all auditioning <laughs> for a different part. Whatever. And so I walk in. Did and you I wear the... a bikini top? And yeah, I... or I wore a pink I have a lot of pink items, I guess. <laughs> but I have the pig nose and the blonde wig. And I walk in, and he's sitting, like, as humanly far away. Like, this is the longest casting office in the world. And he's sitting down there by himself looking at the, you know, whatever. And I'm like, hey, man, I read for you in a workshop, like, five years ago. And he just looks up, and he's like, I can't believe someone made it from one of those to me. No. And then yeah. he's like, whenever you're ready. And I just like fucked that. that audition up because by that time, oh, and then he's like, "Oh, you were supposed to be in a suit. Did you not? Did you not get that? We sent that out a few hours ago." 
And I'm like, in the pink With the nose. pink nose. <laughs> no. Did you take the nose off? I forget. I forget. But it was, I it was, it was one of those like auditions where you're so self-aware how badly it's going in the middle of it. And I was just like, broke out into a sweat. And uh, he's like, you can do it again. And I was like, oh, you know, bye. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's really good. So, Oof. Those are my two. There are many other casting directors. Yeah, exactly. I was like, mm-hmm. if one doesn't like me, that's okay. Even yeah. if ten don't like me. Yeah. You just need yeah. one. Yeah, you really yeah, just yeah. need one person to believe in you. And that town. person might not even be a casting director yet. They might be a casting director in 10 years that are in college now, you know? Yeah. So you just fight for that one. God, that's you know, so you know. good. Uh, mine, I guess, is uh, I went, I auditioned for Grey's Anatomy for like this 300 pound Norwegian guy. And I'm like, well, I don't have a chance. I'm 215 pounds. Um,. But I'm a bigger guy, I guess, so I'm like, sure. And I'm tall, I have blonde hair. Um, But it was, for Grey's Anatomy, a dramatic scene. I'm very emotional in it. I ripped someone's finger off, and I'm crying. Um, And I do the whole thing. I get a callback. I go to the callback, and they're all in the room. Director, writer, producers, whatever, whatever. And there's all these big guys, and they're going in. And I hear them just cracking up in the room. Everybody's laughing so loud. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Did I miss something? And I look back over the side and I'm like, what am I missing? I'm like, this isn't a funny scene at all. It's intense. It's dramatic. Like, am I done? I don't watch the show, but I I guess I know the tone. Um, So I'm like, you know what? Whatever. I'm going to do what I do. I don't care. I go in there and I'm crying. This is one of my first, (laughs) not first, but this is a while ago. Um, and I did this scene and at the end I started crying. I'm like, uh, I didn't mean to pull so hard when I ripped someone's finger off. That's, that's, what, that's what I say. Um, pull my finger. Oh, the words we get to say out loud as actors. Uh, is well, awesome. we, were, we were playing tug of war with like, like a clothesline or something and somebody wrapped it around their finger and I pulled too hard because I'm this big guy and I ripped I... his finger off. Anyway, <laughs> and so we're at the hospital and I'm crying and I'm saying this and I do the whole thing. And they all start cracking up. All of them. Oh, no. And I'm mad. And I'm like in my method days. And I look up and I'm like, oh, I'm glad you guys are having a good time. <laughs> and then they got all awkward. They're like, no, no. No, that was, that was, that was good. That was, that was good. Like, yeah. All right. <laughs> I walked out and I actually I booked the part. No. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of my, one of my first maybe third role or something so there like was that. some like inside joke probably amongst those people about I don't know the freaking the finger is, pulling the other guys were coming out laughing too they're like these big guys they're coming out and they're cracking up and like i i was all emotional and you know obviously but you booked everybody's it. process is their own process but i booked it yeah, yeah you just so, gotta commit so i guess i yeah. my finger joke so, i don't know what it was i don't know why i guess maybe it was just so awkward because it sucks sitting on those auditions, right? Where yeah. people are just crying the whole time. Yeah. That's got to suck. <laughs> I... I have two that come to mind. Um, this the, is best, the best, <laughs> I would say. I, was, I guess the best. Um, I got an audition to play the young Helen Mirren in a movie called Woman in Gold. And uh, my agent's like, you, but you have to speak German. Do you speak German? And I'm like, of course, I speak German. Yeah. I don't speak German, <laughs> but I'm like it's Devaquilla. I'm I'm going. You'll speak like, German. Yeah. So I hired this girl to teach me German for three days, and all I did for three days was just how learn. many lines were in German? 
the whole audition was in German. Wow. It was six or seven pages. I what? Still, I still, like, have certain lines that I know, like, but it was, was just... Um, no, this was a few years ago. Maybe three or, three or four years ago. <laughs> but it was the best audition because it was, like, such a challenge. And I, I said to myself, like, yeah. you're not going to get called no. back on this. Right. Like, this is not, <laughs> like, you're. I'm not a German speaker, but I really want to try to just give it my all and try to do it and went in for the audition and she was like, you're from Arkansas, but how do you speak such good German? And I was like, yes, wow. you know, in that moment yeah. that just felt so good to do something. That's the, one of the hardest things because That's you have amazing. to learn what the scene is, break mm-hmm. the scene down. And then you have to phonetically learn how to yeah. say those words. And then, but then how to put the, it, it was yeah. just like, it was, yeah, it was crazy. So, but i learned so much in that and, you know, I don't feel so out of place now going, oh, yeah, sure, I can do that because I know I can learn it if I have enough time. But That's awesome. And the worst one, um, <laughs> it was for a woman who had been dumpster diving for six years. I get called in for a lot of, like, you can arrange. these types of roles. <laughs> I think Winter's Bone sort of set me on a track of, like, oh, she's this for the very cast, dramatic or? actress, like... Let's cast her in the homeless role. But um, anyway, I, so this woman's You're the prettiest diving. homeless person I've ever oh, well, seen. <laughs> Sometimes when I read the breakdowns on auditions, I get like, hmm, that's, that's what they think about me? That's how they see me? That's weird. Um, anyway, she'd been dumpster diving for six years, like living on the streets. So I show up like I've been living on the streets and dumpster diving for six years. And the elevator doors open and... <laughs> The women in this room were the most stunning women you've ever seen in your life. And I literally look homeless. And I look like I've been dumpster diving. Oh, no. And they were also auditioning a role for, like, a gorgeous man. That must have been what it was. So, like, they're all there, too. And then there's these, like, stunning girls. And I'm looking at them, like, did you read the role? Like, I didn't get a call back or I ended up booking it. But I remember going into the room and they were just like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but she went for it, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, went for it. I love doing that. Right? I go, because so many people say, don't dress up for the audition. You know, casting directors will say that at like workshops and things. I'm like, I can care less. If this is my one opportunity to act today, I'm going to do whatever is going to make me feel more in character, whatever is going to make me have more fun. So I dress up. However much I want, I go on with different accents, I can care less. Heck yeah. And we're, <laughs> some so of the best auditions like that we saw for Riot Act, um, Travis Joe Dixon, we ended up casting in one of the roles because he looked exactly like what he was supposed to look like. He had yeah. a suit and a, this, what is that, like the handkerchief or whatever thing mm-hmm. matched it. Pocket he just square. looked Yes, pocket square. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Some people go a little crazy with it, like the whole dressing up for auditions sure. and all that, but I don't know. I think yeah, if you can help God. them. Yeah. You don't touch anyone. anyone in the... Keep it simple, yeah. but uh-huh. like if you can help them see you in the role, that's only going to help you, you know? So just like you're acting. That's what you yeah. want to do. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Like that's when I audition. I'm acting. That's my job, and I'm enjoying it, and I can care. Le- well, of course I care, but if they don't ever call me back or I don't see them again, that's the most enjoyment I'll have that day, and I'm gonna go for it. Yeah, it's so funny. Like the two people with the biggest resumes 
in our last audition process because we're still in the middle of casting. They are the only two that really came in going for it costume-wise. And it wasn't like going for it. There were two military people, so they had like military colored t-shirt, military pants, and boots. But immediately you're like, yep, that's the character, right? Okay. Even just by looking at them before they even speak. And they had no ego, like one of them. <laughs> He's been acting since he was five years old, and he's now 24, 25. And uh, so it was just interesting to see that. The other guy's uh, 45, and he's been booking since he was 20. Wow. <clears throat> oh, it is fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Play dress up for a living. Uh, all right, guys. This is super fun. Uh, before we go, will you guys um, tell us anything like you've uh, booked recently that you want people to check, keep an eye on you for or your social media or your own website or your projects or whatever you want to point people to? Oh, man. Self-promotion. I uh, know. I just did a guest star on Shameless. Yes. yes. That's awesome. Um, that'll be out, I think, early 2019, maybe before. I, I never know when. Uh, and then... Ren Hansen's show. There was another show. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Maddie, Maddie's <laughs> YouTube channel, if anything. Yeah. Mama Maddie Fitness. If anybody's pregnant and wants to do workouts, posting all of her workouts on there. Not that that's really acting related, but. No, that's yeah. pimp whatever you want. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the Stocking Fields is our feature film. It's at the Stocking Fields if you want to follow us on Instagram. That's all I'm working on aside from, you know, auditioning. That's it. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> My our, our feature is called The Riot Act. Our Instagram handle is at Riot Act Film. Um, we're doing our theatrical run right now. And then it'll be uh, streaming and on demand and DVD and all that good stuff early next year. Um, I'm recurring on True Detective, the new season. Yeah, she um, is. In a couple nice. episodes. Pretty fun role. Nice. I'm excited about it. Um, so cool. And I did a, an indie movie, uh, just wrapped it not too long ago, called Sweet Inspirations. And I think it's getting a theatrical release next year as well. Cool. And my Instagram is at how sweetser it is. I'm trying to build my following, so please follow me. I'll follow you back. How sweetser it is? How sweetser it is, Great. yeah. Great. I'm at Narinsky on Instagram. Oh, yeah. At Sean M. Crampton, I think. <laughs> I haven't posted in two months. But it's like, I go through phases. Yeah. I go through, I like, I, I go through phases where I'm, like, once or twice a day, oh, and I have I to get followers. I hate it so I much. I hate it. I and then like, I'm, like, I can't for day. two months. I know, but... I've gotten so jobs from it though, you know. I know, and I, I've lost out on jobs because oh, I, I didn't have so any followers. So 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 sometimes I'm like, I have to, and then I get so inspired, and then I just do it, and then I hate it. It then, feels so narcissistic. Yeah, if it feels, I mean, there's people that do it and they don't feel narcissistic, and I'm like, great, more power to them because you know they found something and that's really working for them, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just don't know how to make it feel where it's not false. Yeah, I know. You, you have to like find a. My thing has been I feel like I'm creating a visual, like, website of my life. So it's, like, pictures of me, but also here's a dog. Here's, like, my life. And, like, yeah. here's, like, content I have to share. Like, it's not just, like, a picture of me. It's, like, it's oh, here's, like, I, it's 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 the worst. I yeah. Every time I'm, like, I can't believe I'm spending 15 minutes writing this. But it's, like, I'm 
it, yeah. I think of it as like a, a website that like everyone's going to look well, it at. It feels false to us because we all seem to acknowledge that it's not just light, there's darkness in our life. Mm-hmm. So no one's posting that. Right. So it's this weird thing of like, look how great or look how awesome everything is all the time. Because if you go, it's like immortal in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, it's a lot I of like self-congratulatory things too. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess we're so raised in our society not to just like shout, look at me so much, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it is. I, I just, I don't know how to make it feel okay. And then <laughs> yeah. I, logically and rationally, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just, it's part of the business. It is okay. You know, there's people that do it successfully and, and I don't look at them negatively. But sometimes I'll post something. But then you do look at some people negatively and you're like, I don't want people to feel that way about me. Yeah, maybe that is it. But you can just have to get over it. Just tell the ones who are like genuine versus like, can't you? I don't think. Oh, I can't. I feel like. But that's when you start going, well, am I being genuine? And then once you start questioning yourself, you're already being not genuine, right? See, but then I like to put like. But I'll put it all fucking out there. I'll do like an Instagram. So I'm like, hey, I just booked something. But just, you know, it's the first thing I booked in a year and a half. And uh, yeah. da, 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 da. like I just like to like back it up with like, here's the dark right. part of the light. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I see. you know, because I don't know, relatable. relatable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like teach like their own. Like Anton, a large part of your following is interested in one or two things, right? Yeah. And you know mm-hmm. that. Like homosexual following. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Which is yeah, great. Right. But at least you know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great. And I'm, I'm 100% for it. But it's just like, you know, if, if I were to post a picture of me and Maddie, I would lose probably 5,000 followers. I'm not kidding. Yeah. And, I believe you. And then See, that's if, crazy. Right. And then if I post a picture of me shirtless, it's like, 1100 likes yeah it's weird it's a weird thing yeah. but it's a business in a way yeah. yeah does that feel feel slimy and there's also like <laughs> yeah there's people who don't have social media at all like mm-hmm. it's fine just like we were talking about casting directors i've heard casting directors recently be like oh i hate social media finally people are realizing those guys can't act mm. i'm like oh shit that's from the horse's mouth yeah people have to do those deals yeah, but so, the suits at the top are yeah. like this so free it's marketing. Weird, yeah. yeah. Why would we not yeah. cast them? Oh. All right. Well, follow us on social media and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having us. Yeah. Yes. Thank you guys so much for showing up and for your time and all your answers. And this was awesome. Of course. So. Anytime. Thank you. All right, guys. I will talk to you in just a bit. And that brings us to the end of this podcast as well as the end of this season. Anton, Sean, Lauren, thank you guys so much for your discussion, your honesty, and your laughs. You guys are all amazing actors, and I'm so proud to be your peer. Thank you to all of my guests this past season who have made this podcast possible, who gave their honesty and their time. Special shout out to We Audition and to Red Mouse Pictures for being the first ever sponsors of this podcast. Also, of course, thank you to Maggie Zabo for our beautiful theme song. And the biggest thank you of all to all of the podcast listeners out there. Whether this is the first episode you've ever listened to or this is the 40th episode you've listened to, it is, I, I mean, I couldn't do it without you. That's pretty much how this goes. So 
for subscribing, for sharing it with your friends, for rating and reviewing it. Every little thing counts, guys. And thank you so much for making this possible for me to do this for you every week, every season at a time. I can't wait to bring you season four. But in the meantime, please keep an eye on the One Broke Actress website, onebrokeactress.com. Make sure you're subscribed there because there's going to be some cool new stuff coming that way. And with that, I will wish you happy holidays and I will talk to you in a few weeks. Bye.